Good evening, everybody. And uh, the Jewish brethren, it's happy Passover. Hallelujah. Okay, and it's, uh, mm. it's an awesome day because you know, all the Jewish brethren, I hope you would look to Jesus, the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. Amen. But this evening, before we begin, this is our 60th Q&A. That's a long, long time. So one and one year of lockdown completely. Yeah, one year oh. lockdown over this week, and uh, the virus seems to be mutating, seems to be increasing. But I don't think it's as bad as they make yeah. sound it to be. It's like just like any other viral fever. Okay, and uh, but this evening before we go to the Q and A, we look to the Lord. Father, we just come to you this evening. Once again, we thank you for keeping us, Lord. 60 weeks, 60 Q&A. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. We thank you for all the questions that was asked. We thank you for all the answers you gave us. We thank you for the comfort your word gave to so many people. Even today, Lord, there are Christians. You are the answer. And Spirit of God, only you can answer every question. Our answers will not be sufficient. But when God speaks, when he touches, we have our answer already, Lord. So I pray, Lord, those who are hurting, you would answer them today. You would personally, Father, I pray, touch them and meet them at a point of need, God. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We commit this time into thy hands, O Lord. And we pray, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment to answer. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 There's a mild interruption in between. (laughs) That's what happens when we live in this age where even people who are seated are mobile. Hallelujah. <laughs> what can we do with mobiles today, without mobiles today? Yes. Pastor, so the first question. We shall go to question. Which one is this? The first one? Question number nine. Okay. Uh, it's, person says, I kept facing rejection right since when I was in the womb through, uh, through to after salvation, rejected by family and friends, and another phase, huge re- rejection, etc., at work, socially, etc., it keeps popping up, popping on and off, and it's a cons- conscious effort to overcome with God's word and faith. How to keep God's peace and have his joy regardless of rejection, criticism, and hurt around? Sometimes it's easier, and at times it's not. I think it's one of the most common questions for everybody, if I'm right. Yeah. Rejection and criticism and hurt. The, I mean... At the end of the day, looks like theory, but it is true. Like, but you have, we have to live at one day at a time until we come through it. If you come to Ephesians chapter one, no? Ephesians one. Ephesians one. Verse 4 says, He chose us in Him. Okay. Okay. 
and 5 says he predestined us to be adopted as his sons or his daughters okay and then in 6 6 it says oh yeah 7 it says we have redemption actually okay. 6 says accepted in the beloved yeah 6 says okay just looking yeah okay we have been accepted in the beloved 7 says we have redemption forgiveness of sins Eight says, he which he made abounds toward in all wisdom and prudence. Okay, so if you go through this, you will see. If you want to accept rejection, or if you want to overcome anything, you have to go above all the people who reject you and go right to the top. Hmm. No, and. The fundamental issue people, I mean, not talking about people in the world, people in the world have no recourse that we have. In the kingdom of God, once you know God has accepted you, though we strive horizontally, yet once you know you have been accepted by God, and you know, then, and He accepts you, okay, accepts you, that should put you to rest. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. The issue is often people face is that they feel a disconnect with God. They feel a disconnect with God. Okay. And we have the Bible. Through the, through the Bible, you see people going through that. Let's look at the familiar stories we are all. Joseph faced rejection like nobody does. Okay, nobody does. He's an orphan by childhood. He's rejected by all his brothers, ten elder brothers. Then he's rejected by his master, to whom he was a faithful servant. So he was, he faced rejection for how many years? Thirteen years. But if you look at the way he functioned, you will see that the rejection did not touch him. He did not react. Okay. And that's the key. That is the key because if he had been if he had been responding to the criticism and the rejection, then he wouldn't have functioned the way he functioned. I would always say that is that our response to rejection is going to determine where we are going more than what others do. Hallelujah. How we are going to respond to rejection. Okay, that is the key. It's not what others do to us. It's what to do to ourselves. What matters? Mm-hmm. Okay, what? And this is the key over here. Yes, a lot of children face rejection right from the womb because parents call it an unwanted pregnancy. God never calls it that. Never gets, okay? And the parents talk. But in the, in the soul of the child, the child knows it is not wanted. Mm-hmm. It is not wanted. So it is born with that spirit of rejection. These are real things. These are real things, okay? That's why once a child is conceived, you should joyfully accept it. Accept it. And consciously be very happy about it. And talk about the baby as being a welcome member into the family. Because rejection begins in the womb for many. For many. Okay? Like especially if you are a Christian and you are, you, you, you know you do not have this option for abortion. Therefore, believing Christian, therefore what do you do? But you fight against this. But you have to be careful about it. So children grow with that. And then, no, in India especially, sex determination is not allowed. So you are hoping for a boy. What happens to be a girl?
happens to be a girl or you are hoping for a girl and happens to be a boy okay so you can see that in so many ways the child can be negatively be affected can be negatively affected and then the child carries this that spirit of rejection okay and you need to realize is that spirits attract spirits okay so if you're walking around with the spirit of rejection you will also attract it from others and you don't realize why am i getting rejected everywhere okay so what we what we fundamentally teach is that you have to handle it and you have to handle it by looking at says you know what god has accepted me go to romans 8 powerful verses over there no how to fight it and you have to meditate upon this okay okay verse 28 onwards everybody knows 28 okay okay for we know that all things work together for good of those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose meaning even your rejection will work, turn out for your good for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren mm. yeah moreover whom he predestined this he also called whom he called he also justified and whom he justified this also he also glorified everything is put in past tense because god sees the end from the beginning now look at this what then shall we say to these things if god is for us who can be against us next he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things 33 who shall bring a charge against god's elect it is god who justifies okay next one who is he that condemns it is christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of god who also makes intercession for us see all these arguments are negated by scripture that is why god tells through joshua meditate upon my word day and night or in colossians he says think upon things that are above meaning what are these things that are above one of the simple things that what does god think about me yeah. think about things about what does god think about me ultimately that's the only thing that matters okay though you may look for approval and all it's natural a child will want approval from the parents elder siblings from teachers you no know? all these are people who influence you in life but if you do not get it there is still god above and above all god says i accept you accept and i you, you you never have to perform to win god's acceptance yes mm-hmm. acceptance you never have mm-hmm. to perform he loves you unconditionally because he loved you when you did not know him mm-hmm. so now that you are a child he's not going to love you less okay and this is the key this is the key and lot of people lot of people are listening lot of people around have come through such abuse you homes and abuse you broken marriages and especially women let us face it it's women who go through it more than men men go through it and now boys and girls go through it because of the confusion with gender everybody gets abused okay so what god is talking about it is that you have to look to god you have to look to god and it's a daily process okay some days you may feel low what do you do you go back to god in so many ways it actually helps you in your daily walk with god 
daily walk with God. Okay. But let me tell you, you have to be very, very careful that you neither insulate yourself or isolate yourself. Then you will be of no use to God. Okay, you will be of no use. If Joseph had insulated himself, then he would have been no use to God. You will see because Joseph refused to see himself the way what people said about him, he was a blessing to people everywhere he went. Wherever God put him, he was a blessing. A lot of people, when they go through this, what they, they make, create a shell of and stay inside it. And you cannot touch them. You cannot touch them. They are, they are like functional alcoholics. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're very good at their work. But socially, no. Don't come too close to me. <coughs> Don't come too close to me. And God doesn't allow that. God doesn't allow that. Because the fundamental part of life is fellowship. Is fellowship, no? We say in English, once between twice shy. Okay, I was hurt by this, I was hurt by this. I am going to be very, very careful now. No, you shouldn't be naive. You should have discernment. But every person is new. Every person is new. And every person, you have to give them the benefit of doubt. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot build fences. You cannot build walls. But, you learn from experience after seeing patterns of behavior. You see some person and says, okay, this is the same kind. I just need to be a little watchful about it. But remember, you cannot insulate yourself. Okay? Like C.S. Lewis said, the only place where you can be free from hurt is hell. hell. Mm-hmm. Is hell. <laughs> okay. okay, because as long as we are living on this earth, we are open to it. We are open to it. Then you look forward to that day as Revelation 21 says. There's a day when all this will go, where all rights will be wronged. And remember, we are still living in a fallen world. Fallen world. And our very longing for this hurts to be over itself is our desire for the next world to come in. Next world to come in. So it's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Actually, if you look in the Bible, all those people who went through rejection, went through pain, went through brokenness, and learned to walk with God, became great blessings in their life. Whether it was Joseph, whether it was Daniel, whether it was David. If you look at the people who really understood God, understood God, like, uh, what do you learn about God from Isaac? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. The man became prosperous and very prosperous and very prosperous. He dug some wells, he got water. But what do you really learn about God from Isaac? Honestly, nothing. You know why? Because he never went through any pain. He was a protected child. Never went through anything. Never went through anything. But how much do you learn about Joseph? And like I keep telling, 50 chapters in the book of Genesis from creation down to the death of Joseph. Okay, 50 chapters. So 13 chapters are devoted to Joseph. Why? So that God will teach teaching us. Look at that man and see what brokenness can do to you. What your rejection, your pain, your misery can be turned to a message. So Joseph speaks to us in the book of Genesis more than all the others put together. Not because what he went through, but what he became through what he went. And a lot of people go through this, but they don't turn out like Joseph and David. You can come out either like Naomi, we can keep saying it, hard and bitter, where people stay away from you. They don't want to come anywhere near you because they know you will bark, you will bite. They stay away from you or they just want to be with you. They want, they love being 
around you because they you know but but then you really find out about you know oh my gosh you gone through so much pain and hurt how come you are so so kind how how come you are so compassionate how come you are so gentle right and this is the key you can turn this all out for the good and the glory of god and for the extension of god's kingdom because nothing is wasted in god's kingdom okay like I keep telling the Lord's table is a picture. He takes the bread, that's our life. He blesses it. Then he breaks it. After he breaks it, he gives it away. And then people are satisfied. Unbroken bread never will bring satisfaction. Okay? Unbroken lives, lives that have not been broken by God will never bring eternal satisfaction. And that are the fragments Jesus says, pick it up. Pick up those fragments. But those fragments are pieces from bread that was broken. Those are the fragments from lives that was broken by God. So if you look at Joseph in Genesis, it is written his brother sold him. But the psalmist says God sent him. Okay, God sent him. Like it does not say about Jacob that God sent him. Jacob went on his own. Okay, but Joseph, God sent him. And that's what God is talking about. And that's how you have to. It is a daily battle. But you go back to God and you will always say, God will say, I accept you. Doesn't matter. You can go a thousand times a day. God accepts you. He loves you. He cares for you. Even when he disciplines you, he does it because he loves you. He doesn't discipline you in anger. He doesn't discipline you in anger. Human parents may do it. God doesn't do that. He disciplines you because he loves us. And that is why we can be absolutely confident in his love. Because even when he disciplines us, he does it because he loves us. Therefore, the end of it is always good. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yes, Pastor, I think a question number eight will be very relevant to what you've talked about. Uh, why is it for some believers, especially who leave everything and everyone to follow Jesus, encounter intense suffering, persecution, and unstop hardships in multiple ways? Does the first believer from the entire lineage of another staunch religion, go through it all, and then does it get a bit better with further generations? Usually, yes. <clears throat> if you look into any picture in the Bible, the first one, basically, is the one chosen by God, has to go to the ringer. Because, simply because it's nobody who understands you in your own household. Nobody will understand. In my case, I was the first one to be saved in my family. In my wife's case, she was the first one to be saved in her family. This person who is writing is the first one to be saved in her family. In Joseph's case, he's the first one God is touching in that family among the brothers. Okay, so you will see um, Jesse had eight sons. David was the youngest, but he was the one that was touched. Terah had three sons, but Abraham was the one that was chosen. Okay, so the ones who have chosen will have to go through it because you are chosen and called to walk by faith. And when you are walking by faith, sight doesn't understand it. Sight doesn't understand. They will misunderstand you. They will be hostile to you. Okay, They will oppose you. They will ridicule you. But you stand firm. Stand firm and keep walking. And over a period of time, the people in your household may come. I'm not saying it is guaranteed. But chances are very, very bright. But ultimately, you will become a source of salvation. You are not the one who saves. Christ is the one. But you become the conduit or the channel through whom God. So Joseph becomes a source of salvation to his entire household. 
right? It, it says, uh, the ones who rejected him, mocked him, no? First Samuel. Yeah. Twenty-two and verse one. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. So now, okay, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontent, gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about four hundred men with them. Now who is he giving shelter to? His father. His brothers, his family, these are the people who mocked him, mm. who ridiculed him, who rejected him. But you know what? Now he is giving them cover. Okay, so God turns it around. His brother Eliab and all, I'll mock him. Okay, but remember, he didn't react. He didn't react. So one of the good things is that to be silent about it. Silent. Don't go with them. Don't make it. Just be silent about it. Be quiet. Like Joseph. Joseph is silent about it. He doesn't say anything about it. Sometimes it's very good to be silent, just to be quiet. Just to be quiet. Okay? Don't give them an option to say anything. Just be quiet about it. Leave them alone. Leave them alone and pray about it. Okay? Pray about it. And that's what Joseph does. He's quiet. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. And that's that's what happens. And like the person said, in most cases I have seen, the first one who gets saved goes through it. Goes through it. But... Look to the end of the picture. One day, if you look at this pattern, one day they will turn around and they will say, you know what, we are sorry. We didn't understand. We didn't understand. But even if they don't say, it does not matter. Because you know you are true. You know you are right. Because Christ is always right. Not that you are right. What you have believed in is right. And therefore, it doesn't really matter. Eternity will ultimately prove anything. This is not the time where judgment is set. Judgment is set on another day. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, what is the difference between rejection and criticism? If uh, is it criticism is just an, another form of rejection, or uh, criticism is something else? Criticism, because, uh, the, the person yeah. also criticism can be true or false. Mm. Like Elsa says, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Mm. No criticism, you should always listen, listen to exactly. Criticism, That's what you should yeah. always listen to, and if because is, the person also has yeah. criticism. If it is not true, it does not mm-hmm. matter. Critic, you should listen to your critics. That's why I always recommend to Pentecostals listen to John MacArthur. <laughs> you know, because the points he brings out, many points are valid. Many points are valid, and make corrections over there. Corrections over there. Okay, and then. To the Baptists, I say, listen to Pentecostals, like Derek Prince, David Wilkerson. Listen to the good ones, the solid ones. Listen to them too, okay? We'll have to listen to critics because the critics see what we do not see. Okay, it's good to listen to critics and criticism. But if it is not true, don't get upset by it. Don't get upset by it. Just let it fly. Let it go. Don't be bothered by it. Also, question number 10. Um... Why is it that for many who wait on God longer and get married late, trusting in God, in full faith, face terrible storms and struggling to cope the utter failure where one spouse breaks the covenant and shatters in multiple ways and walks away, whereas other Christians who had been together or lived together before marriage or had some, or had, or some had praying parents to pray for the transformation of the children after marriage also, etc. 
found themselves sailing fairly after their marriage, working together, and the marriages are pretty all right. This, this no definite this answer. This is a subjective thing, right? Yeah, now. it's a very subjective thing because, uh, you know, let me tell you, one of the fundamental issues, uh, issues, first let me tell you, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, okay, and verse 16, 316, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children, and that last part, your desire shall be for your husband, this is the same word that is used when God tells Cain mm. about sin. Okay, decide the same thing. Once meaning your desire shall be for your husband, meaning you will want to control your husband, but he shall rule over you. Okay? So what was meant to be a compliment? They were supposed to compliment each other. The marriage is already short-circuited after the fall. So you need to realize every marriage is short-circuited after the fall. One of the fundamental problems is that our thinking has departed so far away from the Bible. The Bible, what a marriage is. And let us be honest about it. 21st century people who get married are never prepared to marry. Never prepared to marry. They were never taught what marriage was. See, you cannot say it's a covenant. But what are the terms of the covenant? Covenant is one thing. God did not just say, I'm going to make a covenant. He told Moses, read the whole covenant to them. Read the whole covenant to them. So what are the terms of a marriage covenant? What are the responsibilities of a marriage covenant? What are the rights of a marriage covenant? Okay, These things, people do not even know. People know. What is a man? What is a woman? What's a husband? What's a wife? What is a father? What's a mother? What is a home? What is the importance of these things in God's picture? How does he evaluate it? People, what do people have? They get married in church in a Christian covenant with the picture Hollywood and Bollywood has put in their heads. And therefore they come in as primarily like William Bendick during the British age abolished child marriage. But today even now it's children who are getting married. Children are getting married because to be honest they have been matured. They haven't, in, I'm not saying they're mature in other areas, but when it comes to these marriage things, they are not mature. Most people I meet, they are not mature. Okay? There is this, there is this no sense of responsibility. It's responsibility. And we have gotten all these ideas from this world, while in the kingdom of God, like I keep telling it, in the kingdom of God, the fundamental unit is the home. Everything in the world exists for the home. The home doesn't exist for the world. But the image has changed. Image has changed. Now the world is what is important, not the home. And we need to realize, like men need to uh, ask, why do I go to work? Why do I work? Why do I go to work? For what do I work? And the reason is I work for my home. I got a spouse, I got a wife, and I got children. I'm going out to work. And there I will be honest, I will work hard, everything, yes. But ultimately, why am I doing all these things? I'm doing it for my home. And one should never forget that. Not forget that. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, certain jobs are taxing. Ultimately, you will have to sit with God and ask, Lord, do you want me to take this job? What is it going to cost me? How is it going to cost me my relationship with you and my relationship at home? How is it going to cost me? Is the question people have to ask. Let, let us say you're an IPS officer. It's a high-profile job, but you may hardly be able to come back home. Okay? It's a career-wise, everything. But the question is, Lord, do you want me here? Do you want me here? Do you want me here? Honestly, today, Homes should be working much better today than before. You know why? Because of social media, meaning because of how easy communication. Let me let me tell my own experience. When I was a kid, 11 years or 12 years old, my parents dropped me with my grandfather and they go back. To get a letter from them, there's no telephones, nothing. To get a letter it would take between 30 to 40 days. So once in 40 days you heard from your home, your parents. Once in 40 days, it took. Meaning, if you want to hear from your father, okay, or even in those days, okay, soldiers posted, families are here. If a woman wants to hear from her husband, it will take 30 to 40 days. That's how long it takes. Okay? And still the marriage has survived. And they survived well. Mm. Survived well. Today, in seconds you can communicate. But you know what? People don't communicate. People don't communicate. They don't text. They don't SMS. They don't call. They don't. So where is the problem? Where is the problem? So we need to ask ourselves, where is the problem? The problem is our fundamental understanding of marriage and the importance we have put to our home has gone. Home has gone. Today it is so easy. You can text. You can FaceTime. What is, what is not, what is not available? What is not available? You know, and people, I, I, I always used to say that when I was working with the institution in that country and with the underground church, there were things which I prayed and I really, really prayed God. I said, Lord, it's impossible. Those days mobile hasn't even come. Okay. So in that country to get a landline is very difficult. Okay. So, there were things that happened. <coughs> I had gone on mission, but I'm working with a college. So college is on the other side of this town. But my work after college hours with the underground church is all on this side of the river. So I needed a place to stay in the city. It is impossible if you know that town and if it was impossible. So I refused to move. For 10 days, I stayed in a little room above the kitchen of a gentleman was a pastor of an underground church and he drove a taxi. He was a taxi driver and he had a small little church and I stayed in his room. He would drop me in his taxi to his uh, to my college every morning and pick me in the evening. All the staff over there who were Indians said, why don't you move in with us? Why don't you move in with us? Because you are a save on rent. And I said, no. I said, no. So I need to stay in the city. And they said, it's impossible, sir. You will never get. I said, I will get. Because if he sent me here to help his church, he's going to open a door. One week, ten days, somebody told me, there is a teacher there who has got a apartment in the city. He's looking for somebody who would share with him. I said, good, I'll go see him. So I met him. Another man from Kerala. Seems like nobody can stay with him. 
Everybody he fights with them. Okay? And he nitpicks on every penny. So I told him, I have no problem. You got two bedrooms, fine. I just need a one bedroom and that's it. No issues at all. Money is not an issue at all. This thing at all. And he was very surprised. One week he looked at me, he was very surprised because evening I come, I have my tea and I'm gone. And then I come back in the night. So he asked me, sir, where do you go? I said, it's okay, I just go. I've got local friends and all over here. Then he started sharing his trouble, problems, everything and all that. Okay. Seems like he's, he's at the verge of a divorce. I said, you need to go back home. The job is not worth it. You need to go back home. Okay, you need to go back home. What are you doing here? It doesn't make any sense. Okay. You wouldn't believe. Within two weeks, he was gone. I had the house. I had a gas connection, which is impossible there. And I had a landline. And a telephone. And that real, literally in the middle of the city. All my, after that, everybody wants to move in with me. I said, no. <laughs> so you don't want to save on rent? I said, no. I don't want to save on rent. I just want to be alone. I don't want anybody coming and staying with me because I have my some of my evening meetings over there. But the interesting part is that when my telephone bill used to come to my school, it was like a newspaper. And they used to be shocked. They said, what is that? I said, what is this? I said, I'm investing in my children. I talked to them every morning, every evening, every morning, every evening, without fail, 14 times a week, I talked to them. Half an hour, 45 minutes, I talked to them. You know why? What am I working for? I'm working for God. But God will never ask you to work at the cost of your home. Because He's the one who created home. He created the homes. You see, you, you know what? When you do things what is right in the sight of God, you can always live without guilt. Live without guilt. Okay. Now the thing is that people haven't figured these things out yet. You know, one of the issues with, uh, Indian men, Indian men, they don't spend time with their children. Okay, two unmarried men are sitting here, two married men are sitting. They don't spend time with their children. It's a major issue. It's a major issue. They don't spend time with children. Okay, I have this kid from Assam who's married to uh, American, Josh. I think they live in Ohio. I think they live in Ohio. He's white. She's from Assam. I love their uh, WhatsApp status. Every day there's a status and the father is every day playing with their little daughter. Every day. It's so much fun to see him playing, 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 playing. And he works. And then he comes and he plays with his child. During winter season, he was on the sledge, taking her all around, pulling her, everything. And I look at it and I told uh, her, you know, you got, a, you got a good husband and a good father. He's a good husband and a good father who is spending, you know. And we look at those things and we get it. The problem is, you know, people are all very scriptural without being practical. And they get into marriage. You, 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 you think somebody is born again. Yeah, maybe born again. But the problem is fundamentals are very weak. Fundamentals are very weak. And then they, when they get married, what happens is that... And the same thing applies to women too. Today's women too. Today's women are not homemakers. They're career women. They're not homemakers. Okay. 
uh, they will talk about adjusting and all. But the question I always ask, what are you adjusting for? You have to learn how to balance. What for? At the end of the day, when you look back, what do you have? What do you have? I've talked to many children from broken homes. And every one of them said the same thing. We don't care for all the stuff the parents give us. If we could have them back with a one-room house, we will go for it. You know what parents do? They substitute their presence and their affection and their time with things. Things don't replace presence. Okay. Things don't replace presence. And this is the fundamental issue. Like, most people are not called into ministry. (laughs) Most people's ministry is in their own homes. If people just took care of their homes, 90% of the problems in the world is over. World is over. You know? Everybody is jumping into preaching ministry and apostolic ministry and prophetic ministry. Now, why is God asking? Why? Why is God asking? You know? Yet, you look in the Bible, whenever there was uh, maybe a weak father, but when there was a strong mother, the house was safe. Safe. Okay? Because they understood the importance of hope. The breakdown, what is like the pers- person is talking about over here, is because our fundamentals are weak. Our value system is gone wonky. We are not putting our our values where it belongs. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And one of the ways you have to do it, men and women, Christian men and women, is to shut down the world. Don't listen to what the world is telling to you, men, and what the world is telling you to women. They don't tell the truth. Most of them are miserable. And they're trying to pass on to your misery, but this false, this thing, see, look how happy we are, how happy. None of them are happy. None of them are happy. That's not life. That is death. Don't listen to them. Don't let the women of the world speak to the women of the church. We speak to them. They don't speak to us. We don't listen to them. Don't let the men of the world speak to the men in the church. We speak to them. We don't let them speak to us. Because if you get that picture in, no, look at now the result of it. The single homes and the children brought up by single parents, the agony, the pain and the struggle. But thank God, through it all, God is still working. Okay, think about a picture without God in the picture. You know what? It would be misery. Thank God, God is still, God is still working. And we need to get, we need to get our pictures right. We need to get our picture really, 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 really right. Otherwise what will happen is, this will go on, like the person is saying, waited so long, <laughs> waited so long. Yes, but what can you do? You were right, and the person who's writing went through horror, abuse, everything. Had to fight a custody battle, and finally yesterday, in the middle of it, somebody was writing, please, please, pastor, pray. Uh, child is only one and a half years, and the parents are in the court. It's a custody. The husband had decided, I will see to you that you don't get the child. I will finish you off. Please pray, 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 pray. But I said, don't worry. God will give, show favor. You will get custody of the child. And then, and it's not even a Christian girl, it's a Hindu girl. Then saying, thank God, thank God, your God answered the prayers. I got the custody of the child. Now they're fighting over custody. Fighting over custody, you know. And all this happens. You know why? Because the fall, 
after the fall. Hmm. But things still don't change. The truth is still the truth. If you have to bring it back, come back home. Come back home and put the home first. And young people need to be taught. Need to be taught. It's not career first. It is home first. Your career is for your home. Career is for your home. Like we always say at the end of the day when you are dying, nobody wants to see your medals. They want to see your family. Nobody wants to see your certificates. Nobody wants to see the medals. Nobody wants to see all this thing. All you look around is that. Where are the people? Where are the people? Some of the most successful men and women die alone. Die alone. That's a price they pay at the end for avoiding the people they should have spent time with. They die alone. And that's not it was meant to be. So you're talking about rejection, everything. But remember, he took it all. He was rejected for our sakes. He was put to shame for our sake. Okay? And we are accepted in him. And remember, at the end of the day, I don't know why I keep coming back to that, but at the end of the day, I will never change in things which I know is primary. That at the end of the day, God is going to have a home. And he's going to be the father. Hmm. And Jesus is going to be the eldest brother. And the church is going to be a community of brothers and sisters. It's a home. God is building a home. And he calls it my father's house. He's not building a corporation. He's not building a corporation. He's building a home. And he says, in my father's home, there are many rooms. And we need to realize, if he's building a home there, what am I building on earth here? What am I building on earth here? If he's building a home here, that's why the church is a home. It's not a place where people just come to worship and listen to a message and go. It's a home. And if it's not a home, the church has failed. Church has failed. Okay? In a home, siblings fight, but they all stay together. Yeah? So because they know they have the same father and mother. So hmm. In the same way, different people come together into a church, but they know their father is the same. They are born from above. It's the same blood that cleansed them. And they stay together. They live together. That's what you see in Acts chapter 2. So get these fundamentals right. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Hmm. So it's question number seven. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pastor, would you want to take a question on divorce and remarriage? It's question number three, or would you want to do it later? That's a big one. Later, yeah, right? We'll so then question number seven. Are there any boundaries in doing a spiritual warfare? So for warfare. Some say there are boundaries with respect to taking on territorial principalities or the ones attacking our church our community, communities, etc. I always wondered, if so, then the scripture where Jesus says he gives us authority over all powers of the enemy. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 19. Yeah. When you are talking about boundaries, okay, the thing is that, like, it's not scripture, uh, but it's Alexander Pope, fools rush in where angels fear to tread, yeah. okay? The thing is that people simply jump into stuff without understanding what spiritual warfare is. Warfare is. First, you need to ask yourself, am I called to, to this battle? Hmm. Called to this battle. Am I called to this battle? Everyone is not called into every battle. Every battle. Okay? And second thing, when you get into battle, be prepared for casualties. Hmm. Prepared for casualties. Because the enemy will hit you where you least expect. 
So always be prepared. That is why the Bible says in Revelation 12 and verse 11. This is the attitude. They overcame him. That's Satan, meaning the big guy, by the blood of the Lamb. You overcome him because of what Jesus said, by the word of the testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. The third part is important. When you get in, go into war, you need to realize you're willing to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, don't get into it. Okay. This is not uh, computer games. Computer games. So, Jesus himself said, count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. People sometimes simply jump in. And God says, don't jump in. Don't jump in. See, like if you look at it, all our prayer sessions, only I and Elsa pray. Hmm. I keep everybody out. Everybody out. Why? This is not your battle. It's not your battle. I don't want you getting involved. Because all of you have small children. All of you have small kids. This is not your battle. This is our battle. It's not your battle. Your support groups helping us with music, with worship, with the sound system and all, but this is not your battle. This is not your battle. Okay. So, everybody has to know which battle you are called and which battle you are not called into. Okay. And principalities change. They are not the same. So you don't fight the same way everywhere. Mm. Okay. There are, like they're talking about territorial spirits. You know, in Daniel's case, how the battle was. But the thing is that God answered him the first day, mm. but took 21 days. Mm. And that angel of God was resisted for 21 days. And then another angel had to come to help him out. And then he was going back to the fight. Mm. So there is so much things happening over here. Mm. So many things happening over here. Luke ten nineteen says, but remember, Luke ten nineteen is general and it's also it's also specific. Okay, he's telling it to his disciples. He's telling it to all of us. But let me ask you this question: Do we have that kind of apostolic authority? <laughs> Do we have that kind of apostolic authority? Okay, there are two things over here. One is authority; the other is power. Okay, people like Paul who walked in authority and power is authority comes from the word of God. Power comes from the Holy Spirit. And when you have a perfect balance of this, like in Jesus Christ, then nothing happens. Nothing happens. And the fact is that after Jesus, there's hardly anybody who has come into that balance where the authority of the word of God and the fullness of the Holy Spirit walks. He was the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And he had the spirit without measure. So when it comes to authority and power. Okay. Third thing. He was all points and he did not sin. Hmm. So he was without sin. Why all these things matter in the spiritual battle? All these things matter in the spiritual battle because in the spiritual realm, nothing is hidden. Hmm. Nothing is hidden. You can hide your sin from Everywhere in the spiritual realm, it is not hidden. So Jesus is without sin. He's completely in alignment with the word of God and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he can fight the battles. Okay. He can fight the battles. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. So we don't look at and get all excited and jump into battles. No, we pick and choose our battles as the Spirit leads us. That is why we have to be led by the Spirit. 
Okay, because, and we have to be prepared. We saw that uh, in Revelation. They did not love their lives unto death. Many days, the Bible says, this girl with a divining spirit was following them. First day, second day, third day, Paul didn't do anything. Finally, he rebuked it, and the spirit left. Immediately, there was a tumult. You know what? It is not the possession that brought the problem. It was the deliverance, deliverance. that the problem. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, problem. Deliverance. And before you know, they are stripped naked, they are beaten up, and they are thrown into prison. The legs are fastened in stocks. My question is, can you handle it? Hmm. Can you handle it? You want to get into spiritual warfare? This is true. It's in the book of Acts. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? No. It, it doesn't. It works still the same way. You go to towns and villages, you will see demon possessed people. Sometimes you can cast them out. Before you know, the mob gathers and beats you up. Beats you up for delivering somebody because you opposed their God. Okay, can you handle it? It's a question. So we need to be very, very careful. The simple thing is to do is just fast and pray and only do things which God tells you to do. And also when God tells you to do, you have prepared yourself for the repercussions. You are prepared for it. That's why Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is all setting the, this thing. And after that, 6 only, he says, put on the full armor of God. And after everything, take the sword of the Spirit. Amen. We cannot jump into it. So yes, there are boundaries. There are boundaries. And we have to be very, very careful not to go into battles which we have not been called into. Yes, also, um, there's some questions, uh, which we didn't take last time. Mm. It's, this is question number two. Uh, what do you think about the Lutheran church? It is, is it also compromised like the others? First thing is that I don't think about the Lutheran church. <laughs> I only think about the church which God has given <laughs> me. I don't try to think about the Lutheran church or the Methodist church or the Baptist church. I don't, I don't think about them. But if you look at the general trend where these churches are going, they're all, I mean, Luther would turn in his grave. If you see where the churches and Wesley and all would go crazy if they see how these churches, their churches after their names have all gone, but they all have compromised. They're all compromised. Any church that walks away from the inerrancy of the scripture, the word is infallible. It cannot be broken. Scripture, they all are falling away. So it's not about one particular church. It can be any church, any church. And the pressure is always to compromise. The pressure is coming upon the church. And that's God allows it. That's a test. So I, I don't particularly think about that church, but I believe most of the mainline churches are buckling under pressure. And they're buckling under pressure. And uh, all we can do is stand for what is true and refuse to buckle. Many of these churches may lose the congregation, many of the churches which have buckled and given in and compromised on gay marriage and all these things, if you look at it, the people have left the churches, but the church holds the buildings. So they have very few people with women clergy or gay clergy with very few people. The masses have left. Masses have left. But it doesn't matter. For them, they just wanted the approval system and we hold it. So people are leaving churches. Churches are empty. That's a fact. Question number four says, um, Bitcoin trading and cryptocurrency is much on the go these days amongst Christians too. Is it biblical to be involved in this? 
Honestly, I do not know about much about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I stick to Indian currency. <laughs> and <laughs> I have a Bitcoins. Okay, I don't know Bitcoin, but I have coins which we use. Fifty paise has been taken out, so one rupee is the coin. So I I don't get into Bitcoin. I think it's banned in India, so it does not make any difference to us. They don't allow in India, right? Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is banned in India. Actually, it's, I've heard the saying mm-hmm. that um, the, that those kinds of currency they don't have a will. Mm. So if if you cannot pass it out to your children if you die. Okay. Because it's not a promissory note. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. So anyway, that's a complicated answer. Pastor, Honestly, I, I do not know who wrote this question. I have no clue. I don't. I am not. Pastor, question if, if, if you ask, is it biblical to be involved in this? If it is a kind of gambling, then it is not biblical. If it's a kind of investment... investment. Then it is okay. It's risky, they say, but I don't think. Yeah, every, every investment is God took a risk by investing in us. <laughs> every investment is a risk. The biggest risk God took when He invested first in men and then in us as His servants. Too big risk He took. So, question number five, Pastor. Uh, it's this is specific clarification again and women in ministry. So let's I'll read the first part. Phoebe, uh, Romans, uh, more specific clarifications needed on women in ministry. Phoebe, Romans chapter 16 verses 1 to 2. Paul introduces her to the church at Rome and he tells them that she was diaconos of the church at uh, Cancaria. Diaconos, deacon, as a noun indicates minister, servant, and as a verb, minister, office of the deacons. This role is beyond praying or prophesying, isn't it? Okay. Priscilla and Aquila, Romans chapter 16 verses 3 to 5, home church, not sure who is hosting and leading the group, but presumption is Priscilla, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, Acts 18 verse 24 to 26, Priscilla, um, with her husband, corrected the theology of Apollos. Um, Junior, Romans chapter 16 verse 7, Paul is referring uh, Andronicus and Julia as apostles. This indicate that Paul's female co-workers did more frontline work than serving behind the scenes. Very hard to find churches in India or in overseas where, where women don't lead an area in uh, uh, sub, sub-pastoral, ministerial or teaching capacity. Even in my church, one of the youths and the uh, young adults pastors is a female. There is a senior minister who reports to board and elders in all ministry areas report to the same minister of our church. Somewhat unclear if this is just not okay and God didn't call women to minister that way. My simple thing is that if it was something that would be the norm, would you have to search scripture with a telescope to find two people like that? (laughs) Honestly. I'm, I'm not saying that women do all kinds of ministry, but... You cannot look at this and ignore the other stuff that is written. Very emphatically. Emphatically. And people will try to bring it as culture. Let's go to that place. Okay. And uh, again about Junior. Okay. Even if you go back to that portion when you said about Junior, that is Romans 16, 7. Yes. Go to Romans 16, 7. And see how it is translated. Greet Andricus and Junior, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners. Or off not among the apostles. No, no. Yeah. It, it doesn't say... They are apostles, no. No, it doesn't mm-hmm. say they are w- women. It's countrymen. Okay, so there is always this conflict whether Junior is Junior or Juniors. 
Okay, we cannot go back 2000 years back and find out. You know, we, we are not, there is only one person's name in the entire Bible where there is gender confusion. It is this person. <laughs> we don't know whether it's a man or a woman. Okay. And also the fact that it says that they are of note among the apostles doesn't say that they are apostles, right, Pastor? Okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, okay, this is about worship and about headship and everything, okay? I want to look at verse 16. That's the key, okay? If anyone seems to be contentious, hmm. we have no such custom. No do the, the churches, churches of God. This is the issue. Because when people will say in the Corinth, although he was writing only to Corinth because this was a practice, he says, no, I'm writing to all the churches. Hmm. Okay, so you can't, we can't pick and choose. The simple thing is that like we saw in the case of Deborah and all, extraordinary circumstances demand extraordinary solutions. Okay, like if you look in China, China is, many of the churches are led by women. Because there are no men. Okay. But <clears throat> what is God's order? What is order when you are talking about, when you are talking about, let us say, the term of a local church? The local church is practically the body. And the head of the church is a shepherd or a pastor or a shepherd. And the question is, <coughs> is a shepherd male or female? The simple question. Take to the symbol of a home. The home has a man, husband, and a wife. Who is the head of the home? Simple question. Because let us say a church with ten homes. Ten homes make a church. Simple logic, and you will see it in the Bible. If the head of a home is a man, then the head of ten homes can become a woman. Can it be? And then Paul brings in the order of creation. There is order. The order, the order, the order is man was created first. So he, Paul brings all the scriptural arguments over there. Man was created first and woman was created later. Okay. So we are not looking into the outside world. We are not worried about the world. Let the world do whatever. It doesn't matter. Let the women, men all in the workplace, everything. We are looking at the church. When God looks down, he sees only one entity. His eyes are on. His eyes are not on the world. His eyes are on the church. Yet, Adam had a helpmate. She was with him, working along. In the same way, the husband has his wife, working along with him. If you look at a house as a church, the father is the shepherd, the mother is the deacon, the children are the congregation. They're working together as a team. As a team. Okay. Now, you cannot subvert it and say, the mother is the shepherd, the father is the deacon. Okay. And then you have subverted the order. So when you're talking about deaconos, okay. But the whole idea, the whole issue is connected with doctrine. Doctrine is fundamental because doctrine is basically setting rules. Rules, okay, setting rules. And when it comes to rules, it signifies authority. Mm. Okay, that is why that part, it is not that women cannot teach, but women should not set forth a doctrine. That is basically, okay, men prophesy, women prophesy, when a woman prophesies, let, no, let her have a covering because she's saying that I'm teaching under headship. I am accountable to somebody and I'm teaching on his behalf, accountable. When man is uh, teaching, he does not cover his head, but he's saying I'm accountable to Christ. So 
God has put an order. And we cannot come suddenly in 21st century, come and say that the order has changed. And you need to look at it that for 2,000 years of church history, this was the order for mm. almost 1,900 years. Then what happened? You need to look back in history. Does this have to got to do with the church or what does this have to do with women's love? And we will see it has got to do with women's love. Women's love. It's got nothing to do with the church. Mm. The church was moving along with the world. Okay? World was so fast. Like I said, first it was women. Then it was gay. <laughs> women's rights. Gay rights. Now transgender's right. What is the next? What is the next? <coughs> so I, I am I'm not absolving men of the there was much abuse, patriarchy, which was supposed to be like a benevolent monarchy where they protected the family when it became abusive, automatically there had to be there had to be a repercussion. Like as long as there was a Pharaoh who knew Joseph, Israel lived happily in Egypt. But when a pharaoh rose who did not know Joseph, they became enslaved. So as long as patriarchy was benevolent, there was no issue. When patriarchy has become a tyrannical, automatically there has to be repercussion. So that is happening. But the problem is that the abuse of patriarchy does not take away God's order. Because you know what? Hmm. Ultimately, it is all aimed at God is aimed at God because God is a father. God is a father. It is aimed at God. The devil is subtly and very cunningly using all these movements to attack the headship of God because he is the father and the headship comes. Headship comes from the father. And we have to see that. Now what is happening over there? You know what? This entire, like you had a shooting at ball a place called Boulder or something where ten people were shot mm-hmm. dead. And immediately white supremacist racist this thing, then we found the fellow who killed was a Muslim. And the ten people who died were all whites. So they had to quickly change the narrative. Any shooting before that white racist shooting got this thing. Okay. The fellow who shot was a Muslim fellow. Okay. And the ten people who died were Okay, you know, why, what is this narrative? We don't, we don't fall into this pit they are digging. Okay, you see, the entire it attack is against the white male Christian. Christian. There's a proposal going around like that. Um, Christians in the U.S. Army should be label, labeled as uh, terrorists. Okay. All kinds of America is going crazy, but you need to ask yourself: Why are they after the white male, white Christian male? Because ultimately, they want to brand Christianity as the religion of the white man and ban Christianity from the public sphere. Need to understand: the agenda is completely different, and white men and women are getting fooled into it. Churches are all getting, everybody is trying to be politically correct. You see, you can never be politically correct enough for the world. So the simple thing is that you need to take a stand like Daniel and his three friends. We will not bend or bow. Mm. We will burn if you have to. But we are not even going to buckle under it. Buckle under it. Okay? Buckle under it. This is it. And 
the other colored people like us, we also should not fall into this trap. The color of your skin doesn't determine truth. Okay. Evil people do evil deeds. The color of your skin has got nothing to do with it. It's the state of your heart. Okay. State of your heart. If not the white man or the black man or the brown man, their heart was evil. Okay. And this entire, I always get irritated by this entire question about slavery. Do you know for a fact, one day history will prove today that true that there are more white women in slavery today than any other race kidnapped and taken away and sold into slavery into so many nations into the houses of rich billionaires all around the Middle East and other places. White women are sold into slavery. Okay? But nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. Nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. Slavery is slavery. The color of the skin does not matter. The color of the skin does not matter. Okay? They made such a hue and cry about Trump building the wall and stopping. Now there are tens and thousands of kids side by side lying in cages. And how come media is not even allowed to go there? So the pictures you're getting is from the Mexican border. Not from the Americans. America, the land of the free, you're not even allowed, okay? So you, you don't even go with them. You don't even go there with them. No? So we don't go with the world. We don't listen to what they say. We have to stand for what is true. Because if you are trying to be politically correct, it is never going to work, work out with God. Yes, women are there. Ultimately, we have to look up and say, how true are we to the word? No, ultimately, like we have said in the morning, God never asks us to be successful. We have a very successful church. Who told you? Absolutely. Who told you? Who, who asked me or you to decide on success? That is on judgment day. All we have been asked is to be faithful. So the simple question is, am I faithful to the word of God? Am I faithful to the word of God? We looked at Deborah and Deborah is, but Deborah understands it is not mine to lead. It's not mine to leave. She says, Barak, Barak is a weak fellow. He says, no, if you don't come with me, she says, I will. But I will tell you the glory will go to a woman. What you should have been done, it will, God will use to put you to shame. Okay? So you can't take Deborah or Hulda as two exceptions over there and make it to a general rule. And if, if anybody was not politically correct, it was Jesus. Mm. Okay? If you wanted to be counterculture and everything, he would have picked 11 men and one woman. Six men and six women. He didn't do that. Simply didn't do that. Okay. And they will say, but the, his resurrection was given to the whole news. So the resurrection was given to by a woman. You know why? Because she's the only one who waited. Men weren't there. Simply because of that. If John had stayed back, John would have heard the message. Hmm. Okay. So don't take that and make it into a theology. Don't take it. We're not, but yet the women were there always there. Like I said, women being a weaker vessel and because they are very much more emotional are very useful in ministry. And I see they should be in the ministry of helps. If you look at Sunday school. Especially the toddlers. Yes. Women are the best. Absolutely. Better than men. But as they go over to teenage side, I would say men, men are better. Absolutely. Men are better. Okay. So we have to look like if you are in the hospital, do you want a maleness or a femaleness? 
You don't want a male nurse over there. You want a female nurse because you know they are more kind and they are more compassionate. Okay, so this is actually much of the ministry. There's a huge ministry in Corinthians called the Ministry of Helps. Okay, if you look into the book of Luke, all these women who followed Jesus, they went with him and they took care of him and his disciples and their needs. So they played a vital role in the ministry, which nobody sees. People will think, oh, Jesus is preaching, who washed his clothes, who fed him, who cooked for him. The women were there. They were there with him. And where did the money come from? They brought out of their own savings. And women are good savers. Hmm. Not all women, some women. Okay. Hmm. Because women have changed. Hmm. Women have changed. Okay. Women but generally, have changed. but generally. Generally yeah. speaking, speaking, because yes. they're always concerned about the, the home and the home. children. Yes. They're very concerned about the home and the children. Hmm. But that's the way God created them. They're very concerned about the home and the children and the security. They're better savers than men. So you look at all that picture. You have to look at it. Yes, if a church follows it, it's okay. It's okay. My only issue is that. <laughs> I look into the word, I do not see it. Do men pray? Yes. Do they prophesy? Yes. Can they teach? Yes. But primarily it says teach women. Okay. But do they, do they take over the pulpit? Extraordinary situations come. If there are no men to teach, then what do you do? Mm. Teach. Mm. Teach. But you always stay under authority and teach so that you are safe and you are not judged one day. You are not judged one day because ultimately you are not going to be judged by your fruit because it's God who gives the increase. Hmm. God who gives the increase. And this is what Jesus said. Many will come to me on that day say, Lord, Lord, in your name. What does it mean? How can, how is it possible that I can teach, I can preach, I can do miracles? You know what? The Holy Spirit can use anybody and anything, even a donkey, to do miracles. It's irrelevant who you are. Mm. God can supernaturally overrule any person and use a person to his ends. But ultimately, you will be judged whether you are faithful to the word of God or not. Mm. That is why we have to approach God's kingdom with fear and trembling. And it doesn't matter who you are. Aaron's own sons who are supposed to follow him died. Okay, Ananas and Sapphira died right in church. Died in church. Okay, so we have to be careful about it. We are not called to be successful. We are called to be faithful. And the simple question is that if this was God's ordained order, ordained order, then the question we need to ask is that why do we have to go search through the entire scripture when there is even confusion about a person's gender? One Phoebe, one Junius. Junior, Junius, nobody is sure. Why did we do it? Would God make it so difficult? Would God make it so difficult? And God, I would say God wouldn't make it difficult. Yet, women were actively involved in ministry. Yes. When you're talking about Priscilla and uh, this thing teaching Apollos, it is in the home. Mm. In the home, no problem. Mm, exactly. In the home. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Go with the women, go home and ask your husbands. In the home, that's a different thing. We are talking about a regular church setting church setting. And there can women prophesy. I do believe women can prophesy because gift of prophecy operates through them too. When they prophesy, three or two or three people wait, judge it. But always under authority. Always under authority. And God does not allow contentions about these things, the Bible says. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll stop yeah, there. Nothing hmm? we'll stop, we'll yeah. stop there. But in these last days, don't fight over these things. <laughs> Try to save as many people as possible. 
and serve God. Mm. And if your church allows it, it's between you and your church. In our churches, we don't allow it, but we allow women to minister in platforms that is acceptable, and you will see that they, they minister pretty well. And where uh, uh, men are not available, I would say, go ahead, fill the gap. Because at the end of the day, his coming is very close. We have to save and get people together in and above all, watch over your homes. Watch over your homes. Don't neglect your homes. Don't neglect your homes. Watch over your little children with a hawk's eye. Hawk's eye. See that they love you. Not that they fear you. Amen. They love you with, with all their heart. Not like it's like in God. They really, really love you. So that later when they fall away, they will come back. Fear will not make you come back. Fear will not make you come back. Fear will just cause you to go away. It's the goodness of God at least. Okay. It will not. It is love. Okay. Love. Okay. Because ultimately we have to protect our homes. And that's where it, it has come down to. And the government is taking parental rights away in the Christian world. That's the fear. When women fought for the right to abort their children, they did not know how, where it would end. One by one by one, the system will take our rights away. One day, they will take us the right to educate the children the way we want. Mm. And we try to teach them Christian education. I'm telling you, like in Europe, they'll take your children away. They'll put them in government custody. You, in, in Germany and all, you cannot have homeschooling. You cannot have homeschooling. They'll take your kid away. You lose your custody. That is the point. Christian, they're talking about Lutheran church, right? Germany is Luther's church, right? Mm. That's the where it has come. The parents cannot teach homes, cannot homeschool their children. Okay, because they said no, they have to integrate into the society. It will not allow you to homeschool. So you have no right. This is the problem when we fight for rights. We need to look at the long term implications of it, what it will cost. The problem is the innocent ones suffer. Their children are also taken away. Okay. The world is coming to coming to a clash point. The Lord has to intervene sooner or later. Okay. We'll pray. Yeah. Father, we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Help us not to be like that ostrich head buried in the sand. We see it happening. Around us every day, Lord, we see the world is tumbling into chaos. When truth is no longer absolute. When God is not allowed to reign over a nation. A nation falls headlong into darkness and to chaos. And its destruction is imminent. Nothing can save that nation. Unless the nation, the people turn back to God with all their heart. We see these cries from around the world. Rejection. Homes broken. Marriages broken. Children destitute. And these are all happening in Christian nations more than pagan nations. Because like Israel, Jeshurun grew fat. And he kicked his redeemer. There's only one way back. 
We are praying once again, Spirit of God, you will move over those nations, Lord, especially U.S. Teetering at the verge of collapse. Oh, Father, move over these nations, more Christian homes, move over men and women and children. Turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, hearts of the children back to the fathers. Let's visit the land with a curse. Restore, Lord, restore. You're the God of restoration. Restore, Lord. Heal single moms, Lord. Single fathers, heal them, Lord. You have not rejected them. The world may have rejected them. The system may have rejected them. You have not rejected anybody. You, on the other hand, says, if we come to you, you will no way cast us away. We are accepted in the beloved. Pray, Father, you would comfort. And I command that spirit of rejection to leave the hearts and minds of people, your people. I pray for healing in bodies, Lord. So many ill in the body of Christ. We continue to speak against that mountain of infirmity. Command it to leave, to move out. In the name of Jesus. I speak peace and I speak rest. As we go into a night, we pray your presence will be with each one of us. Tomorrow as we gather in your house, I pray, Father, keep us safe. And may your presence be there with us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.